Welcome to Untangling Christianity. On this show, John and Greg attempt to diffuse destructive ideologies, unsnarl confused ideas, consider love and truth in Christianity. I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monti. Today I wanted to talk about experiencing God personally and individually versus the other way, which you have advocated in the past, which I think, so thinking of, I think it was episode 77, we talked about this a little bit, the, I'm bringing the conversation back to the eagle. I think we thought the eagle had run out of gas, but <laughs> back <laughs> the to the eagle, gonna, I love it. Gonna, the eagle's going to take another flight today, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so now this is just kind of been bouncing around in my head, and so I had understood your position previously to be that that God doesn't necessarily act individually in our lives, and that His actions towards us are more for the quote kingdom of god this broader thing Hmm. and yet i keep seeing things in my own life that i would say i could maybe attribute that to god or i see things that are happening in other people's lives and i think no those circumstances were very specific to them Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. i think about your experience of I don't even know how you, I can't remember how you characterize it, but the the, the experience mm-hmm. with your tutor where he wanted to introduce you to his family and how mm-hmm. that was like mm-hmm. profound on a number of different levels yeah. for you and helpful and healing. Mm-hmm. And so I would see that as God acting individually for you in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know, I've just been having this conversation in my head for the last few days and I thought, okay, what, I'm not buying your position here, or at least how I've understood your position. So remind me one more time what your position is and help me understand how you got there. Well, I always like it when you don't buy stuff and you say it. And I can always count on you to say it, which I love. <laughs> because you're going to be straight with me, you know? You're going to tell it like it is. And uh, you're not going to kind of go along or give me any head nodding. And I don't want that. So I'm glad you... I'll give you an yeah. initial head nod. I'll give you the, <laughs> I'll give you the benefit <laughs> of the head nod. <laughs> and then I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll mull it over and then be like, well, not so sure. Okay. Well... Yeah, I guess you've 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 raised a couple of different examples in terms of my example of the situation that I experienced at Labrie back in 1996. Um, that was very personal to me, and it was definitely God acting towards me individually. You know, it was a it was a a whole bunch of of crazy crazy antitheses. You know, here's this guy me, who shows up at Labrie, because why? Well, my, my wife really wanted to go. And we'd visited, uh, by that point, we'd lived in Europe for two years, we'd visited every other Western European country and a little bit of North Africa, and we'd spent some time in Russia. She wanted to go to Switzerland, and she said, to, you know, she just put out the argument, she said, I really want to go, I found a way that we can go, and it's cheap, and you know what, we're going to buy a rail pass before we go, and here are the days off they have there, and we're going to travel. And yes, this is a Christian place, but, you know, I'm really interested in, in coming back to Christianity. At that point, you know, we had both been uh, about two years, maybe more, 
maybe maybe a little bit more, maybe two and a half years, uh, as agnostics, you know, having just just let Christianity go sort of entirely. And and I thought that that her position was not a good one, but you know whatever. I didn't agree, uh, but I could see her desire and that she really wanted to go and she she was making not only a big pitch but she was doing all the legwork and making everything happen and I said fine we'll go but here I am as this guy who doesn't want to be there who has no interest in being there who decides well you know got to make the best of this so I'm going to figure out a way a value to being here and it's the value of knowing I'm going to run into Christians for the rest of my life because I live in North America and I'm going to come across these people and their views are anywhere from nonsensical to irritating to just uh utterly offensive. And, you know, I get riled and I don't want to get riled. I don't want to be an upset, angry guy when I'm interacting with people who are, you know, nonsensical or irritating or offensive. I I want to just, you know, have a good sense of how to interact with somebody like that um, and and be able to let let things go. And yet I walk away from that place with this profound experience that's so so targeted towards me and who I am. So right off the bat then, you're not saying that God does not in- act individually and personally. I think God acts in both, okay. but I don't think that we can expect, I guess what I'm taking out of that is, for example, let's, let's, let's look at the other side of that, that situation. My spouse, my wife wanted to go there for the ostensible purpose, for the, for the stated, with a stated goal of finding God again, of coming back to Christianity. We had both left Christianity in this kind of, like we hadn't sat down and had a family meeting about it. It just (laughs) happened, right? There were just too many things that pointed towards Christianity being not just something wasn't working right, but this is just a, this is a fabrication. You know, you can, you can believe in leprechauns all you like. They're not going to change your life. You know, unless you, I, I, I don't know, your detachment from reality is such that you not only can see leprechauns, but you got a whole bunch more stuff going on that most other people would say, no, I think you need medication. You know, and I'm not trying to be offensive, but <laughs> okay. she, she was going in a direction to say, I want to regain this, and I was not. But from her perspective, she is making a huge effort, right? She is really, really making a huge effort you know, on your terms, my terms, pretty much anybody's terms, if we're talking fair, fairly, the person who should have had this experience is my wife, not me. I literally was, I was completely, I did not care. You know, I'm not hiding something or pretending or exaggerating the, 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 my negativity against Christianity. I'm really telling you like it is, as far as I can see. So she comes out of this experience with zilch. Zilch. She goes into it. She's made the effort. She's making the commitment. She's the one that deserved to have this experience, not me. Okay, but how does that tie back to whether God acts personally or individually? Why, why on earth? If God's going to act individually, if God's going to act in everybody's life, and, and you know that somebody really, I mean, from your perspective, from your limited perspective, you might say to yourself, okay, you know what? This person could really use your help, God. On this or I'll this raise my hand there. Subject. Okay, so <laughs> your hand's up. Right? My, my wife's hand was up 95, 96, 99, 
2007, all the times, 2001, all the times we were back there, her hand is up. And, 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 and effectively, you know, I, I'm not speaking, uh, you know, it's hard because there are a lot of different perspectives we could look at this from, right? Well, I'm, yeah, you can only look from yours. Oh, yeah, well, I can imagine from hers. And so I'm imagining from hers and, and, and I'm saying she got nothing. She got nothing. She did not get what she wanted or expected. And we, we, you know, we can raise a whole lot of questions. Well, was she in a position to perceive God acting? Was she in a position to receive whatever might have been done? And, and those are all questions to be discussed. And that's, I think, the, in some ways, it's the, the, the part of the bread and butter of what I focused on later uh, in some of my grad work and what I continue to focus on now in terms of the blog blogging that I do and even our podcasting, right? But the basic kind of decoction of this, and it's not just based on my life and Susan's life, but on other people's lives too. There are loads of people that go through debris and they're looking for something. They're looking for something. And are they, like, you know, we've only got a few options here. One is they're not sincere. You know, you're not sincere, John. Susan's not sincere. All those other people aren't sincere. Well, gee, you know, nobody's really going to say that. I mean, I'm not inside your head and I'm not inside Susan's head, but I really can't believe that I'm the most, like, how could I be deemed sincere? I sincerely didn't want to be there. <laughs> I was sincerely saying God's a complete, you know, lie, myth, figment of people's, uh, you know, imagination based on a need to control life or feel better about themselves or any number of things that just aren't legit. So I had no sincerity at all. And then there's kind of, you know, God loves me more. Really? God loves Greg more than God loves John or Susan or this person or that person? You know, or maybe, maybe if like, you know, let's say 100 people, you, you surveyed 100 people who spent time at Libri who are looking for God. And, you know, I'm using Libri as an example that you can connect to and I can connect to. And, and I think generally the, the notion that people go to Libri where the, when there are issues surrounding their Christianity or they stay there at least when they have those types of issues is, um, is accurate, right? But you don't find 100 people going there saying I wanted something from God and 90 of them coming back and saying I got what I was looking for. Time and time again that we've been there, that is just not the case. So why is it that Greg, who is insincere and wasn't looking for anything, gets a landslide and all these other folks get who knows what they get. But the majority of the time I hear people talking about their experiences at Swiss Liberty, for example, as a place where people go seeking God, right? And that's why I'm using it as an example in this case as being important experiences that nevertheless do not somehow meet their expectations, that do not somehow result in the type of reorientation towards God or themselves or the world that they were hoping for. But yeah, yeah, but it seems a little too all or nothing to say that nothing, I can't, I'm not going to speak for Susan, obviously, but for mm. myself, I would say it was a, it, it was some definite steps forward, but it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't give me all that I hoped that it would give me, but I don't know that, and I'm not saying that Susan did this. I, I don't know what, her conclusion was i don't know that i 
it didn't give me everything that I hoped that it would give me, but I didn't, I don't feel resentful about that or like I got ripped off or anything. It was just more of like, okay, that helped me to, to, I don't know, maybe in some ways some of the, the epiphanies that some folks have been having recently about, you know, different topics that we've been talking about. It's like, oh, wait a minute. For me, mm-hmm. that's those were kind of my wait a minute moments of, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to get rid of this. <laughs> I'm definitely <laughs> getting rid of that. And wow, that doesn't have any basis at all. But yet I've been thought all this time that it was completely true. Carting it around. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I guess... I and guess. I don't know. I mean, I I think back as like was a long time ago. Was it a was it a wasted experience? Not at all. Was it like no. some type of stepping stone towards something? Yeah. God, I wouldn't have met you. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we so, wouldn't have met. Like, who knows? No, exactly. And I don't think I'm not trying to characterize it as all as all bad. I'm just saying that there is a there is there are certain expectations that typically remain unfulfilled. Okay, and that expectation being that sometimes the way Christianity is sold or portrayed is that God is there to just meet us personally all the time. Or or just that some type of connection, some type of meaningful, palpable, significant connection with God can happen, should happen, and will happen to me. But that's I would pretty, say from my perspective that if that's not possible, then I'm not, well, I don't but know. That, that's, that's the heart of the discussion though, I think. Really? Right? That, yes, exactly. I think so. Because on the one hand, um, but then how does it become real for me if it's just a bunch of ideas? Well, no, no. But I mean, it's the discussion in terms of, yeah, this is the problem. We've got to nut out. But I do think it's real in certain ways, right? So this is my whole point about it's personal, but not necessarily individual. You know, so can you say that God is, does not exist or God's not real or God, God's claim to love me or false claims in the event that I personally, that each person individually, better, better stated, each person individually doesn't have some kind of transformative kind of, if you like, encounter with God. That's, that you can't that they don't have this type of connection that's that's really tangible and and direct well at a certain point in my life I might have said I don't know I don't know I probably wouldn't have got there like as an agnostic that wasn't a consideration it was already so deeply flawed that I didn't have to go there right there were so many other things that got in the way and kind of broke the whole structure you know made Christianity seem bankrupt that but I know for a lot of people, this is a deal breaker. And what I'm trying to say is that I don't think, I think the way we've structured this and then what we're, and so the expectations we have are off. So we've structured it as God needs to act in the world in real people's lives. Agreed. I totally agree. Is that on an individual level? No, I don't think so. So I use the time at Labrie to say, look at all these sincere people. They were more sincere than me. Look at all these people whom clearly God loves. Because what God did was a, what happened for me was a huge experience of love. And I chalk that up to God. I chalk that up to God acting individually in my life in a very personally oriented way. And I believe I've got good reasons for believing that over believing anything else as to be the basis or cause or reason for some of these things happening. 
But I guess the thrust of what I'm saying, the kind of direction I'm taking is God doesn't do that with everybody, which doesn't invalidate the fact that God acts on an individual level. But why is that important to call out? Like why, like that doesn't give me a lot of hope or encouragement. (laughs) Okay. But, (laughs) but hope or encouragement for what? That, that God will become real to me. Because I, I can't see based on how well I know myself, which Mm. some, some could argue I don't know myself as well as I need to. Uh, I feel like that's, that's what's going to put me over the top. Maybe it is. And, you know, other people I've talked to, they're like, yeah, that's what put me over the top was this individual experience that said, yeah, this is, this is for real. This is true. Um, I'm totally on board. I mean, think about, so, I mean, think about the, the disciples and, mm-hmm. you know, when Jesus died, they thought the game, they thought it was all over. They right. thought this is end of the road. Mm-hmm. We're so hosed. Like we, we thought this guy was the answer, and he's dead now. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. he comes back to life, mm-hmm. and they go and do like incredible things. And I'm riffing off of N.T. Wright, surprised by hope here. In his whole, the way he kind of structures mm-hmm. this whole argument in this one chapter is that you can argue all day, and you'll never have complete proof that you know Jesus rose from the dead per se, like that that actual event happened, but you have to answer the question of why were these people so changed and why was there this huge explosion in the book of Acts and these other places? Like you have, hmm. there, you got to do something with that. Well, I would look at that and say, well, they had a, they had an individual experience that they could relate to. Sure. And, and I, I hear what you're saying. And, I guess I mean this is the this is the the tricky part of this whole experiential component, right? Um, but but let me backtrack a second here. I don't think that these are just experiences of God. So versus what? Well, versus specific types of actions that are needed in people's lives. So what happened for me? Back in 1996, and it's, ironically, it's Good Friday, and I finish, I guess, opening up. This is a conversation that's taking place between me and my, me and this this fellow, and I'm I'm actually kind of breaking new ground in terms of my own understandings of the impact of my father's uh, sexual abuse on me, and I'm. I'm kind of laying that out and I'm, I'm at a point of, of, of accepting that. I'm not struggling with it and I'm not throwing it in this guy's face as an argument against God. I'm just saying, this is the world. This, and this is the, this is the world I live in. And, and just the bleakness of realizing that, you know, the, the kind of realization I made was that in a certain sense, the message of parental, of extreme parental abuse is, it's not just that I don't love you. It's not just that I, your, your natural father or your stepfather, whomever has done this to you as, as a, you know, a member of your, of your, your, your close, you know, um, family of origin has done this to you. But if I've done this to you, then, then any father, any parent would do this to you, right? If I, if I, who I'm supposed to love you don't, then anyone who could take on that role wouldn't. 
And I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but it's an extremely uh, overwhelming and a powerfully negative message that, you know, at an intellectual level, I can identify as an adult that that's a lie. But as someone who is, whose life has been tainted by this, it's not just that I've been lied to, but a lie has been bred into me, which is a different sort of thing. You know, it's like being this, the victim of propaganda from, from since you were born. And even though you've worked hard, it's that brainwashing that just still hangs on. Well, when I walked out of there that day, it was very clear to me that I was a different person. I did not believe in God. I had no idea what had happened to me. I mean, I knew what the, 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 the kind of the observable events that took place in that room. I knew the words. I'd written stuff down. I recorded stuff. But in terms of the deeper significance, I didn't have that in my, my hands. And I certainly didn't feel thankful to God or like I loved God or something or suddenly God's back in the picture. That was a lot, a lot of time going through and figuring out how could this person who has none of these skills and who had no idea what he's done, how could he do this? And how could it be so precise? And how you know, in, in essence, it was the lowest point I had been at, arguably in my life. You know, I had a lot of skills at that point not to be falling apart. I'd done a lot of counseling on this, three years worth of counseling on this subject, right? So I'm not without tools. And I had a sense of some of this stuff already. But then I go from that to a situation where somebody that you know, unbeknownst to me, as time has gone by, as we've developed this relationship over these last six months, I've come to respect and even love as somebody that if he were my dad, no, I never said that to myself, right? But when he said to me, I would love to have you as my son. And then he took down the photos from the wall and started introducing me to the people in the photos. Something in me broke, something bad broke. And I walked out of that place and the weight of my own father and the weight of those messages was broken. The point here is that this was an act of healing. I was healed on an intellectual and emotional level. I had no idea, but I simply knew that the like I had no idea of the full scope of this. And I, if you ask me a day later or a week later to kind of go over it, you know, I'm a pretty analytical guy, but it took me months and years to be able to formulate this. But the point is, if I was going to enter into a relationship with God, how on earth could I do that when my conception of father was as it was? I could not. I could not have been in a functional relationship with God as father. And that's partly uh, held up. That, 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 that understanding is borne out when uh, you look at who I was as a Christian before and what my Christianity was like. I'm not sure there, I'm seeing this distinction, though. Are you saying that the distinction here is was healing versus some other action? God's not showing up for just the purpose of showing up. In other words, there was something that needed to take place in my life if I was going to possibly have a relationship with God. I was not in that place. I was not in, pardon me, I was not at Libri at that point in time 
angling towards that relationship. If anything, I was pointing away from it and, and trying to just kind of be at peace with the fact that these people were irritating and their beliefs were foolish. But at a deeper level, what needed to take place for me to possibly be in relationship with God was to have this, these lies that have been bred into me overcome, broken. And so I'm saying that, you know, what I would generically call or have called, you know, experiencing God was actually God healing me. I was actually healed at this. And I walked out of, so what I'm trying to say is I walked out of that room on that Friday afternoon and there was something different. And it wasn't that I was a Christian and it wasn't that I believed in God and it wasn't that, you know, none of it was nothing to do with, with my orientation towards God. It was everything to, to do with, with, with the, the force and implications of what happened in that room. So when you're saying, you know, um, almost as though this is an important thing for me to have, I guess I'm saying really what exactly is important Right. For some people, if they, and you know, I don't know who they might be or what their situations might be, but there might be people who are in a similar situation to what I was, where their ability to interact with God, to have a functional relationship has been effectively destroyed by something in them that has um, scarred them, that has uh, debilitated them, that has disabled them. And what I would say is God is in the business of changing that. Um, So if you were to talk to me, for example, about people being healed, do I think God heals people? Yes. But I think what happens typically, what God is aiming for is renewing people such that they can be in right relationship with God. And that more often than not is emotional. It's not intellectual or certainly not physical, right? Me not having legs or not having hands would be, I can't even imagine what that would be like. It would be terrible. But for all that, it would not keep me from having a relationship with God in the same way that having this kind of, you know, inbred lie from my childhood had kept me. So I'm not trying to put this into a hierarchy, but I am saying that I think that there is intentionality, extraordinary intentionality in what God does. And I think certain people do need to see God show up. So when you say this, you know, you need this to be put over the top, I guess I'm kind of asking really precisely, what is this? And I would agree with that notion. Some people need something from God in order for their relationship, in order to be able to, for a relationship with God to be possible. Yeah, I think what I'm I'm relating to is so someone I know very well, I was talking to recently and they mm. were sharing how, you know, they had grown up in a Christian home and then had gone away to college and had kind of this crisis of faith or their, and, and so they were sharing how they had basically cleared their, they didn't study like anything that they were supposed to study for two or three weeks and spend a great deal of time studying the Bible and studying other books and and essentially came out of this time of deep focus with a very strong conviction and sense that God was real, 
and that Christianity made the most sense. And and from that, and they look, they're older, and they look back at that very specific time as like kind of the defining moment when God became completely real to them. And so as we were talking, I was sharing, I said, okay, well, because I was, as we were talking, there was, I sometimes, I was sensing a little bit that they were kind of like, you know, what else do you need here? Like, you've got all the knowledge, you, you know, maybe you need to, you know, stop reading so many of these books and really read the Bible. And we, we had a good conversation about that. But my, my reply back was, yes, but you had this very specific experience to you that put you over the top. Without that experience, you maybe don't make that next step. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking to have that experience. I'm looking to have something that I can go back to that says, oh, yeah, I'm 110% convinced this is true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I'm 100% convinced this is true. And therefore, you know, and this is, I'm going all over the place in my mind as I'm thinking about this. But, no, this this relates back to, you know, some of my college days of, like, well, you need to be a missionary and you need to do this and you, quote, should do all this if, you know. And, and I was like, well... How can I do all that stuff that I should be doing if I'm not even sure it's true? Which caused all kinds of frustration and tension. Right. So that's a whole topic that I probably beat to death already or it could be for another day. But yeah, coming back full circle, it's, it's, um, yeah, wanting, wanting, I guess, a very, when I talk to you and, you know, when I see you interact with other people, there is a level of certainty that I sense that you have about what you believe based on these things that have happened to you and based on your study. And so, yeah, that's, I, I want to have, I'm, I'm wanting the same type of thing. Okay. I hear that. I really do. Um, (laughs) where's the, (laughs) but, well, I don't know if it's a, but, you know, I, I've, yeah, I, 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 f- I feel very, at this point, I, at this particular moment, um, very sad, actually. But, um, I mean, what I was going to say is, John, I'm weird. I'm extraordinarily weird. I mean, I'm built a certain way. So, you know, some people are fight or flight, or not everybody. I shouldn't say it like that. You know, there's the fight, flight, or freeze thing. And people cycle through some of those things. And some people are more flight and some people are more fight. And I don't really understand how this all happened, but there's too much fight in me. I mean, it's just a part of my, my existence and where I'm going with this and why this is related to what you're seeing is when you say you sense a lot of certainty in me, I mean, some of these issues, um, I was, I guess, 19 or 20. This is 26 years ago, 27 years ago. And I've been going hard ever since. You know, I've got years and years of counseling. Like there's the abuse counseling and then the marriage counseling. And then all of this kind of, there are more years of counseling and more years of hard study, you know, completely dedicated study than there are years that aren't. And that's 26 years. I mean, that's a heck of a lot of time. I haven't achieved anything really in terms of a like a career. There's some good things about it and I and I value some of the people, but it's not anything 
in line with my talents and my abilities. I have, I have dedicated so much time to this and I've been so overwhelmed with this. I mean, somebody, people could make the argument fairly stated that I'm obsessed with it, you know, and is, 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 is God a good thing to be obsessed with? Is, is what's true in your life a good thing to be obsessed with? Yeah, well, sure. But, you know, you don't want to use that word obsessed. It just doesn't work well because it has implications that are undercutting for your life. You know, I don't play well. I should be playing more. And I've just recently started that. And so I guess you'd say, when I hear you saying that, I feel sad because I don't feel like I'm a very good model. I feel like, and I think that I have made certain gains at the cost of others. And, you know, I've... But I know, and I'm, and I'm not saying that I want to have an experience just like yours. To, to me, the, the, the marker is that you had, so, you had something. And then I talked to this other person, they had something. And I talked to other people, they have something too. Now I would talk to other people and they would talk to me and they go, well, you have something. You just haven't, you know, experienced, <laughs> you just haven't, uh, you know, put it together the right way. To which I was like, no, that's sorry, that doesn't work. No, and I agree with you. It, it, I don't think it does work, but but uh, allow me to be a pain in the butt. And I'll, <laughs> I'll start off by kicking myself here. I hope that when people hear my story, they say, oh, well, hmm, yeah, maybe that works, Greg, or maybe it doesn't. Or maybe they'll say, gee, there's got to be more to it. He's left a lot out here. Or maybe they'll say, you know, I just don't buy that. To which I say, fine, good enough. You know, yes, there is a lot left out. I haven't told you a lot because we. this is part of a conversation and I'm trying to abridge my story to use it as an example to get to a point. The story itself is not the point. But nevertheless, I hope people, in other words, have doubts and I hope they're free and open with those doubts. When you tell me about other people and they tell me, you, you, you tell me that they've had certain experiences, I mean, I don't mean to undercut everybody, anybody, right? I'm not trying to cause problems for people in their faith. I'm not, honestly, Right. This is the same process that I went through myself as I'm trying to assess, well, what did happen? What is the significance of this situation at Labrie? And of course, there were many, many other situations. And there's a whole series of, there's a whole story, right, that I've only given a small snippet of. But nevertheless, and forgive me, but three weeks wouldn't be enough for me. If, if somebody went away and studied for three weeks, I can recall what I was able to do in three weeks. And that was nowhere near enough. Now, now it, it, did something happen in terms of you know, there's the story of um, a Blaise Pascal, uh, November 23rd, 1654, I believe it was. And he wrote it down. He had this kind of experience. We don't know exactly what happened, but it was this kind of experience, unlike mine, right? He had this experience of God, which was incredibly powerful. And it transformed his way of seeing things, right? Or you have... Um, 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 was it Anselm? I think it was. I don't think it was Aquinas. I think it was Anselm. Yeah, because he wrote this, the Summa Theologica. And then, and then he had this experience of God and this, he, you know, he's, he's finished this, this vast work, the Summa Theologica, the sum of theology or knowledge of God. And his comment following his experience was that everything that I have written now appears to me as straw. So he had this experience, very unlike mine, right? I wouldn't say that that's what happened to me. God didn't appear to me. This is not a burning bush. This was a human situation. But in it and undergirding it was something far more because the explanation 
without that it makes no sense. It makes far less sense, for example, than if, if I see, okay, well, yeah, there's something more going on. I'm in this Christian place and there really is something to it. But I guess I would say that I just think we need to be careful. Sometimes we take things to mean something and I don't think that they do. Or they mean far less than we think they do. You know, I was talking, we've talked about this woman who came to Labrie, a woman in her 60s. This was in the summer. And she eventually, she was pushing very hard to get her, her point across and get us to agree with her way of seeing things. And it basically came down to an experience that she had with her son who had been doing some very bad things. And her son came to her and said, you know, I'm a liar and I've been lying all the time and this is a problem. And she said that what she felt or she believed that, you know, she understood God wanting her to respond with was, you're not a liar, you're a truth teller. And that changed her orientation. This happened in her 40s. And now 20 some odd years later, out of that one experience, she has a changed direction towards God. And she's trying to convince us that that changed direction is something we should have, or at least is correct. Well, I don't believe that what she did there with her son was correct. So I'm questioning her experience and how she evaluated it. I certainly, if that was my son, I would have said, you know, I think you have been a liar. And I think you have been lying a lot. And I think that where you need to go and who you can be is somebody who tells the truth. And I would take that in a slightly different direction, but I think it's significant. But I think when we don't challenge people's experiences and we let them stand, then all of a sudden those experiences have a value that... <sighs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tricky it's a trick it's tricky on both sides in other words right well, it's tricky when you say i don't have anything and it's tricky when somebody presents you with something and they say look at the gold i have here and you're maybe that's gold and maybe that's not the whole thing's tricky yeah well, i think we well, might need another pass at this <laughs> okay well, well give me give me right now what you're not buying here's what i'm not buying we've been here before this is totally fine i know no, this what is I'm, good what i'm not buying is I hear you questioning this person's experience. And I think that we've come up against this before. We were like, yeah, but, you know, (laughs) yeah, I'm just not comfortable. I feel like at a certain point, though, you have to give someone else's experience the benefit of the doubt. They are, in other words, Mm -hmm. yeah. I feel like this person that had this personal experience for themselves well, is in a better position to interpret their experience and come to the conclusions that they do and share those with me than I am to question them. I, I, ah. Okay. No, that's really concise. It didn't feel concise. I'm glad it was. So, yeah, I just... I. Yeah, we've been here before. Yeah, so I think I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm. Well, no, and this was kind of the criticism in, wasn't it seventy seven? Yeah, it was seventy seven. And maybe, maybe I'm kind of taking Anna's side here because you know, yeah. In fact, I'm I'm just skimming the notes right now. We need to close out, but yeah, in the third paragraph here it says, you know, Anna disagrees with Greg's skepticism about certain claims to experience God. So yeah, I'm, yeah. So maybe we need to have another conversation about hmm uh, I'm not even sure how to have good skeptic when 
When does it make sense <laughs> to have skepticism? Where is the place for having skepticism towards other people's experiences? And where is it that someone else's experience is just theirs and it's what it is? Yeah. Well, and let me, let me, if I can, before we close, if I can just be clear, you know, we had gone in the example I'm giving you, the specific example of the woman who uh, spoke to her son or believes she kind of received this sort of sense from God of how to speak to her son and that this is the right, this, from that moment and that understanding, she's kind of got this notion, which I haven't, you know, spelled out in this conversation about how people should interact with God. It wasn't the experience she had, she didn't bring out until the very end of the conversation. But things started going funny right off the bat. And by funny, I mean she had some ideas that I thought were really strange. And the more I probed and, you know, I I wasn't trying to change her mind or uh, I certainly didn't say anything like, you know, you're wrong or this is a bad way to see it or you've misunderstood something. I, I was simply trying to understand and she was very, very intent on convincing me that her perspective was the right one and convincing the other person that was in the conversation with me. And it wasn't until, you know, we kind of, we continued to be hesitant and we continued to be doubtful that what she was expressing was a good way to be Christian. And she finally got to the experience and then presented that. And so I think for most people, there isn't the sort of content there to work with. You know, so she had presented the whole outworking of that experience and presented the experience as a kernel and as a formative moment out of which she developed this whole way of thinking. Now, from that basis, I had some good ground to say, oh, okay, well, let's look at this experience, right? You know, where I, for example, I'm not talking about your friend with the three weeks. I'll talk about myself again because that was the first place I started. You know, I, Greg, I'm making some pretty big claims. You know, Christianity co-central love and truth, truth and love. That's a big claim. I'm claiming to be telling you what I, th- what I think are the, is the, 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 the essence of the Christian faith and the essence, if you like, of, of, of right human existence. Human life lived well. I think those are good reasons for people to be picking bones with me and saying, okay, well, that's a big claim. You're going to have to justify that to me. Well, I hope I can, right? And I hope that everything that I tell you the logic of what I'm saying, and also some of how the experiences I've had and how I read the Bible, how all of that lines up. And if you see something breaking down or not making sense or being kind of disjointed, then please pipe up, right? So I'm not randomly being skeptical of people's experiences of God. What I am saying is that typically those experiences are connected to understandings and, way, understandings and ways of living and ways for Christians of explaining and embodying God out to other people. And those things are important. And so we want to look all the way along that stream of relationships from experiences all the way out to how people talk about God and, you know, uh, suggest or even argue that other people should talk about and think about God. And we want to make sure that those are sound because the implications are huge. We know what's been done in the name of Christianity over the centuries, right? People are killed. Lives are destroyed. And, 
you know, I know I just upped the stakes exponentially here, but I mean, it's true. It's real, right? And, and it starts with people being oriented towards other people in ways that are not healthy, in ways that are wrong. And so, you know, if I'm going to influence you or if I influence 10 other people, I want to be accountable for that, right? I want to be held accountable for that. And I want to be a good, if I can say it this way, a good steward of what I have so that I'm being truthful. And I guess that's the point, right? Because how we interpret our experiences and how we let those experiences impact others and how we communicate to others out of what we've understood through those experiences, that, the, that can change people's lives. It certainly can impact them. And I just want it to be the best, the most truthful, and that which is oriented towards human flourishing and goodness. And, um, and yeah, I, I guess I, uh, my view is if I don't, um, if I'm not up front with my own self and with allowing people to question me, and if I'm also not up front about sometimes needing to question other people, then we, it's kind of like the, um, what did you call it? The, the courtesy nod, but on a much bigger scale. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So, okay. Here's another topic for another time too, which would be though, when, when to push people and when that's the part I'm still, yeah. Oh, Cause I, what I hear a you, different one. Yeah. Well, no, well, what I hear you saying is, so you know, I hear you questioning, well, you know, was three weeks really enough or was something else going on there? What I want to push back against is say, okay, but like, when can people's stories just be there? Is there ever a place where we're not like pushing against everything that everyone says? <laughs> <laughs> is there rest? <laughs> yeah, because what I hear you saying is is like question everything, man. Like you know, you, we, this is important, so we have to question everything. But I don't know. We probably need to end here. So I. <laughs> All right. Well, well I'm concluding, but I'm signing off by saying, yeah, I'm still. I might be a little clearer than when we started, but I'm not. Uh, I'm st- I'm still in my position. <laughs> okay, no, that's 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 good. And <laughs> you 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 got to keep it. You don't want to change it for for a bad reason or for not enough information. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm still in the not enough information stage. All right, that's fair. All right. Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. Notes and links for this episode are at untanglingchristianity.com. We welcome your thoughts and comments both at the website and our private Facebook group. If you'd like to join the private Facebook group, let us know your email address in the sidebar of the website to receive notes and links for each episode, and we'll send you an invite to our private group. Or you can send your thoughts or request to join the group by email. Send those emails to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode. <laughs>